0: Many of you might have seen the movie Multiplicity, which is about Michael Keaton being cloned so that he can work and then he can have leisure time and then he could do housework and then he can look after the kids and be a good husband. You may not know that. No, you may not know this, but. That film, Multiplicity, was actually based on the cloning of Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade actually has five clones because that is the only way you can explain the prodigious schedule that this man is keeping up on a daily basis. He's on radio three hours a day. He's on television three hours a day. He is uh, being a guest on other radio and TV shows. He's filling in. On other TV shows, he somehow is finding the time to write books. I think he coaches little league, and then he does and speaks live at live events. The guy has a schedule which no one in the world can understand, which leads me to think that there's something fishy going on here. As, as evidence of that, he's agreed to join us at four thirty this morning. Brian, thanks so much for joining me on the radio.
1: Well, first off, I can't win a thousand dollars. I was all excited. <laughs> I, I did not know that last answer either. Uh, by the way. Uh, but Frank, thanks. Uh, multiplicity was underappreciated, as is Michael Keaton overall. Uh, I will add one thing Saturday nights at 8 and 11, I got a show called One Nation. Uh, which is, I, it's doing really well, and I hope everyone uh, watches. I, I'm
0: sorry for omitting that, yeah. uh, of course. Right. Uh, you, you're on the air more hours than I'm awake in a given week, Brian. So, forgive <laughs> uh, But honestly, <laughs> well, do you ever sleep? Uh, how do you manage this schedule, Brian? Because I feel like it's a big accomplishment if I can manage to read a book, yet you're
1: out there writing them. Well, I got two years. I mean, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, it's not, I'm not, uh... I'm not uh, this Patterson guy pumping out a book all the time, and I certainly don't have that talent. But I'm just uh, so I, I take really six seven months uh, to come up with an idea, and then it takes six seven months to start researching. You frame it out, and then once you start, you, I got, it done, got to get it done by 2023. So um, I'm off. I'm off and running now. But you just try to you just try to plan it out. And what I did is I wiped out hobbies. You will not see me on the seventeenth hole on any golf course. <laughs> you will not see me Sunday morning playing tennis. I mean, I work out uh, a lot, but I'm, I'm not doing things that uh, I, I don't. And maybe it's it's my lack of rounding out my life. I just don't have a lot of recreation time because I love doing this. Yeah, I, like, I, I'm I, like I, we have the best jobs.
0: Oh, you get no argument from me. So you're not you're not watching like the latest episode of Ozark or anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hear that's a good series, but I'm not unless one of the actors is going to be on one of our shows. Mm. I'm probably not watching Ozark, but I I did. Um, I'm trying to think the series. I'm I'm watch I watch uh, Showtime. I watch the Laker Story, which if I'm Jerry West, I'm suing everybody. <laughs> I was able to uh, everybody twice, but i um, you know I watch that series, and I think that's pretty much it.
0: I am in awe of the schedule that you keep, genuinely, and and doing it all so so well, which is impressive. Brian, a couple of issues in the news I want to pick your brain. First, let's look at the election results this week. Obviously, the story that you were covering a great deal yesterday and has gotten a lot of attention nationally is what happened in San Francisco. San Francisco, one of the most progressive cities in the country, has recalled the soft on crime DA that they have there, Kesa Bodine, it looks like there's a similar movement that's about to take hold in Los Angeles to recall their uh, soft on crime DA might be happening in some other cities around the country. In L.A., the candidate that finished first in the mayor's race, a former Republican, former independent, sits on the board of the Ronald Reagan Foundation, ran on a platform on cracking down on homelessness and cracking down on crime. L.A., a very liberal city here in New York, which is a very liberal city. We can uh, debate about what Eric Adams has actually done, but there's no debate on what his messaging was during the campaign. He ran a tough-on-crime message in the campaign. Are we seeing a new era in Democratic cities, Brian, where Democrats are willing to embrace a tough-on-crime message? Is that the new winning message in Democratic primaries?
1: I, I don't think anybody... Any independent, certainly any Republican, and most Democrats can't seriously think that they are tough on crime. They are solely responsible for the riots over the last three years in the streets, for the decrease in almost every budget, uh, for the lack of – for the constant criticism on the men and women in blue. Uh, and those who uh, wear the badge, they are t- tangentially uh, responsible for the mass retirements and the, and the low attendance at academies, except for places like Long Island uh, and in New York City. They're having a lot of trouble getting quality candidates, and they cut a billion dollars out of the budget. For Joe Biden to say, you know, I gave all that money to the states, I urge you to put it to cops. For him to say, now scramble with a tough-on-crime message, Frank, there's no way they're going to sell it. Because there's one thing about the average police officer. They're street smart. They know who had their backs. They know who was not calling to decrease their budget. I saw in this poll today, now 52% of New Yorkers say they want an increase in the NYPD budget because Mm 7 in 10 feel they'll be a victim of crime. And what we saw in San Francisco, I just think, and you probably heard the show or portions of the show yesterday, I think it's such a big deal, because for San Francisco to tell this guy to hit the road and throw him out in two and a half years, that's as liberal as it gets. Los Angeles is next. We had Lee Zeldin on yesterday, and he's got a legitimate shot at um, at, at uh, winning this, uh, winning the, uh, the governor's mansion. And you know, Rob Astro is a good candidate, and Andrew Giuliani's got some positives, but no one's got the positives that Lee Zeldin has. And he says there's something in the New York uh, the Constitution that says you can actually fire the attorney general who was elected. So you can't recall Alvin Bragg, but you can fire him, and he says he will.
0: I'm going to ask you about the governor's race again in just a second, but just to follow up there, what does it say to you, though, that voters in – Democratic voters in New York, L.A., and San Francisco – and I imagine we're going to see this play out in some other heavily Democratic cities around the country – they're embracing a tougher – on-crime approach than what we've seen previously. I mean, three years ago, they elected this fellow, Kessa Boudin, on a not-prosecute-anybody platform, and now those same voters in San Francisco have thrown it out. Does that give you any sense of optimism about where Democratic voters
1: are? Well, I I think Democratic voters have to demand candidates. They care about the country first. And I think it goes back to the 1619 Project. First off, People were getting into our school systems. Uh, Teachers were being forced to teach that America sucks and that we're uh, we're based on slavery on stolen land. And then they go in and they say, you know, your streets, those people who are enforcing the law of the land – they're evil. So uh, treat them like hell. Ignore them. When they go to arrest you, run from them. And if they do anything, we got it on camera, and we will just uh, uh, we will uh, stain every person that wears the blue if some uh, police officer uh, goes over the line. So now after doing all that, Americans have stood up, and they said, we're not going to be duped by this. We want our streets back. We want our country back. And I kind of like this place. And Chesa Bodine was such a big deal. What happened in Virginia was such a big deal as it flipped to Republican and the average mom and dad is standing up and demanding the curriculum change in their schools. These these are things that that David Axelrod can't come up with, that Karl Rove can't devise. These aren't strategies that are done by politicians or pollsters. These are the American people saying uh, enough with the games – I'm getting my life back. I'm watching my back, the back of my family, uh, and I'm going to get my job back. I'm going to have a quality of life, and you are not going to tell me this country's bad and our streets are safe because neither is true.
0: We're talking with Brian Kilmeade. You could hear him this morning at uh, 10 a.m. right here on WABC doing great. Uh, you'll hear guests on that show that you hear nowhere else uh, doing very well in the ratings and obviously just killing it on uh, Fox News Uh, Not only on Fox and Friends, but uh, on the weekend as well. Brian, not that you are in charge of Fox News, uh, but you are, for a lot of people, the the face of Fox News. You're the fellow that a lot of folks start their morning with on Fox News every day. Fox News is the only one of the cable news networks, the major cable news networks, that's deciding not to air the January 6th commission hearings tonight. What do you think of these January 6th commission hearings in general? And uh, can you explain to folks why Fox is making that decision?
1: No. Uh, I will tell you what the decision is, though. I mean, I'm not in on the decision. Um, You know, um, and it's changed a few times. I know that I'm on Gutfeld tonight, so I'm going to be taping Gutfeld, and it's going to air on Friday. So that's how I knew uh, what we were doing on Thursday. Mm. So it's 8 o'clock tonight. uh, And the Fox Business Network, the fast growing network in the country, which is in this building next door to me as the vice president of Fox Business. You'll see me on Cudlow tonight, too, at 4. Uh, you know, there's no difference. I mean, one is uh, like Fox, nothing's like Fox News, but Fox Business is big, carrying it live. At the same time, our primetime lineup is the best in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're beating networks. So why would we tell Tucker to take the night off? How did he take the night off? Uh, this is my opinion. I have not talked to management. You've just asked me, Brian, kill me to pay. Sure, got it. Uh, but why have you asked me to, to those three fantastic hosts with some great audiences, to take the night off? They'll dip in and out of it. And at 11 o'clock, we're going to go full-blown recap everybody what's happened, with every network's covering it. And in my opinion, only my opinion – when you were bringing, when I found out they're bringing in the ABC news producer to make sure the biggest names, the biggest guests, and the most exciting news is up front. And when you really care about getting to the bottom of things, but most of all you care about ratings and people to see it, it to me, just Brian Kilmeade's opinion, it becomes a pure political ploy. Unlike the impeachment, which was just on anytime, everywhere. Frank, you must have been getting up at like two because you work all <laughs> night. They go, okay, this thing's on again. They're in the house. You know, it was nonstop. But here, this is one side. I mean, Adam Kinzinger, who I, I was friendly with, and Liz Cheney, who was on all the time, I thought they were going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed against Trump. I get it. But what you did here by not calling out the National Guard is wrong. Uh, it is true that Donald Trump wanted to be there. The, the Secret Service stopped him from being there. It is also true that he said repeatedly, well, will march down there uh, peacefully and patriotically. I thought at least they would push back. And the times in which they just, their Trump hate were to overwhelm them. And I am totally against the January 6th rally. I'm totally against what happened after. I'm horrified by it. But to just say this to me has morphed into we have to make sure. Donald Trump doesn't run again. Mm. They can't believe that his numbers are higher than Joe Biden's again. They impeached him as he was walking out the door. He didn't go to the inauguration, and they are they, uh, still trying to investigate him nonstop, and still his numbers are going up. And they said, how do I stop him? This is the way to stop talking about inflation, gas prices, Afghanistan, uh, the countless uh, dollars going to uh, Ukraine without any clear strategy, although I'm thoroughly in support of that. Uh, All his uh, uh, bungling of this America's conference in California, Uh, the illegal immigrants 32 miles long storming our southern border. Let's bring up Donald Trump again. Brian me just speaking off by top of my head. Him to have this job now for 26 years. I think they're looking around. And they say mm. this is newsworthy. I do want to find out what what this is about. But I'm not going to sit here and be a DNC promo.
0: In terms of Trump, one of the things that I think even a lot of supporters of of Donald Trump have uh, sort of rolled their eyes at at times is his emphasis on. Relitigating the outcome of the 2020 election, uh, calling into doubt the outcome in states like Georgia and Pennsylvania and Arizona. And I, I know you've said publicly that it's a mistake for Trump to focus on that rather than focus on criticizing President Biden's policies. Do you get the sense that President Trump is starting to de-emphasize those claims of election fraud at all?
1: No. Uh, I mean, I hear... Uh, I heard a report uh, from somebody who was just there. They said, basically, he does not want to see you if you think he didn't win the election. Wow. So that's just it. I, I know the people that are his biggest fans. And it's like this. Frank, you could be the biggest fan of uh, you know, of um, of the Giants and look at the last 10 years, and you can't say they made the right decisions with coaches in the draft. Mm-hmm. You could sit there, why did you draft this? Pro? But it doesn't mean you stop being supportive of them. But if Donald Trump – he's got that 40% base. Everybody that's at 40% knows for him to win it's got to get to 44 and 46. For him to do that, he's got to attract independents and moderates undecideds, not the Trump base. He's got to go beyond the base. He's got to go beyond it. And if he continues to bring up 2020, he will not – especially when inflation, gas prices, the the strength of the economy, 11 million unfilled jobs, the embarrassment of our foreign policy, the ineptness of our president is what concerns us most. Nobody cares about 2020. Their legal team proved almost nothing. So in that case, you move on. Nixon had a great case against Kennedy. You Mm. moved on. Gore... Felt like he, if they counted the whole state, he would have won, but he moved on because it's better for the country to move on. Now Joe Biden is coming on the midterm elections, and he's going to get thumped in a way if there's any justice in the world we've never seen before. He's already plowing the ground saying, I don't know about these new election rules. I don't know if we can trust the election. Now Republicans can't come back and say, how dare you de-emphasize the election?
0: Yeah, and, and that it really is a shame because it, it's, it's it's sparing the country from a really important policy debate on all the issues ju- you just mentioned and the issue we began the discussion with, the crime issue, which uh, is paramount on a lot of uh, those of us that live in places like New York. You alluded to the governor's race. Uh, Lee Zeldin, you had a terrific interview with him yesterday. It looks like he and Andrew Giuliani are sort of neck and neck at the top of most polls in the governor's race. A lot of speculation about who President Trump would endorse in that race, if anybody. Clearly, he's got a long association with the Giuliani's, but uh, had a very good working relationship with Lee Zeldin. And I'm wondering, as somebody that has followed the race fairly closely and that knows the mindset of President Trump better than I think most do, what do you think he'll end up doing there? Do you think he'll endorse Zeldin, Giuliani, or stay out of it?
1: Well, you know, he's known Andrew Giuliani his whole life. Andrew did a great job in the White House, by almost all reports. Every time I meet him, the guy's upbeat. I just don't think he has any experience. And I don't think you jump to the governor's race from handling sports in the White House. Number two, um, uh, number two is Rob Astorino, unbelievably talented, conversational, great broadcaster and communicator. But he's tried twice and he's gotten nowhere. Lee Zeldin's a military guy. He's a Jewish-American who's one in a purple area who understands national security as well as knows that in this state you can't run it like it's bright red. You have to run it and understand that the New York City has needs, and upstate New York matters, and Long Island certainly matters. I think if you look at the climate, the disaster that Cuomo is, the, uh, the overwhelmed Governor Hochul, this is an opportunity for the right candidate. I believe that Lee Zeldin seems to have all the attributes of the person that could get on the governor's mansion for the first time since Governor Pataki.
0: Mm. Uh, well, it's certainly going to be very interesting. Before we let you go, Brian, and I know you have a marathon day of 9, 10, 11 hours of broadcasting today. I don't know. I I've lost track. I get dizzy listening to your schedule today. Yeah. Um, President Biden was on with Jimmy Kimmel yesterday. And uh, you uh, before you were on Fox News, people may not know this. You did a little comedy. Curious what you think of Joe Biden's humor. This is a little bit of what he was doing on Jimmy Kimmel last night. Maybe there is a, uh, a a Death Star Pumping false information into our brains. Fox.
1: right? Or yeah. uh,
0: he said Fox is a death star of misinformation. Any thoughts on how the president did either comedically or on the substance of his appearance? So yesterday? What
1: I was doing is I was reading the transcripts and I'll have some of that today. This is what I found unbelievably unacceptable that he just said. Uh, with Fox, I'm, I'm used to it. It's hysterical, right? Uh, it's the number one network. You combine all the networks together. It's not a right-wing network. If you see some of the hate mail that we get from uh, Donald Trump fans and further there on the right, it's unbelievable. Uh, but what it is is we're pro-American, my opinion. What he said last night, he said when asked about Roe v. Wade, in fact, the decision comes down the way it does, and these states impose the limitations they're taking talking about – there's going to be a mini revolution really the president of the united states is predicting a mini revolution in the country that he runs that's responsible that's his, that's not comedy that's idiocy that's why we have people uh in there's people in his own communications division spend all day walking back his ridiculous comments he is called down today we, any good reporter would say Is the president calling for a mini-revolution if Roe v. Wade is overturned? Because there was an assassin that showed up at Kavanaugh's Mm. house last night. And is this going to lower the rhetoric? How much more experience does the 78-year-old need to know how to be a politician? Uh,
0: Brian, finally, can you give us a quick preview of what's coming up on Fox and Friends on TV and what's coming up on WABC when you take the reins at 10 a.m. after Bernie and Sid?
1: Uh, and, and reluctantly, because they would like to go all day, gotcha. uh, as you do uh, go all night. <laughs> um, here is uh, here's my uh, roster of guests uh, for today. We're going to have uh, Jason Chaffetz on what's going on with gun legislation, Carly Shimkus, who everybody there knows, was on with IMIS for years on WABC, uh, Mark Thiessen was talking about the the chances with these gun laws getting passed, and, and with some of the testimony that happened yesterday, as well as what's going on with inflation. Senator Daines took on uh, Secretary of Treasury uh, Yellen, so he said, "I told you that inflation would rise if you passed the 1.9 trillion. How could you just sit here and pretend to apologize?" And John, you. Uh, he's the Berkeley professor who worked in the Bush White House, and he's a legal uh, 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 constitutional scholar on what just happened on the West Coast. We just discussed, Frank, uh, and uh, what it could mean for the uh, around the country when it comes to law and order. And Sandra Smith will be joining us. I'll just talk about the would be uh, more violence that could happen outside Supreme Court Justice's house. I'm going to talk about what the Americans care about uh, most, foremost by double anything else. It is inflation and gas prices. Yet the president keeps telling us the deficit's going down. Brian, so, it,
0: it is always a treat. I'm looking forward to seeing you, talkers, on Friday, and, uh, and how you're going to squeeze that into your schedule. I'll, I'll never know, but I'll see you then. Go get him, Frank. Uh, 15 Thanks. seconds of fame next. Uh, catch Brian on Fox and & Friends and on uh, WABC starting at 10 a.m. 800-848-9222. Keep burning and sit on while you're watching Fox & Friends. 800-848-WABC, 15 seconds of fame straight ahead.